For me, I would just say, forget all this. I just get out of it. I have friends that I can look in the face and talk to. Why do I need these virtual shadows yelling at me? But I think for the problem now is lots of kids don't feel that way. They feel like this virtual identity I have is me. It's my real identity. And if, if I lose face, if I lose my dignity, if I'm suddenly shamed, they feel like they've kind of been excommunicated from a world that they value. And that's very strange and troubling and can lead to these suicides. It's a serious techno-psychological problem that's reaching crisis performance levels, not just in China, but even more in other parts of the world. I think the issue is also getting the cases to court. I mean, that's the problem. Can we actually get people to come forward with evidence to go through any legal process? I think that's one of the major challenges. Vulnerable groups often aren't in a position to do that. Out of the business model, you know, these are privately owned companies trying to maximize profit. The last thing they want to do is deter the actual consumption of their offer. So it, it really requires very, very strong government regulation and enforcement. I think you need to set the parameters. It's going to be imperfect. The one thing about China that people should know about is that they solicit opinions from people. That's the positive thing. But do laws solve anything? The answer is no. I mean, it has to be education. Laws are great, but if you don't get folks educated at a young age about manners and behavior, which is that we're in all new territory with that, then you're going to run into problems. The Chat Lounge. Chat Lounge. Chat Lounge. The Chat Lounge unpacks views and opinions on hot issues in a more casual way. Welcome to The Chat Lounge. I'm Tuyun. Joining our discussion on China's move to ramp up fight against cyberbullying are Edward Lehman, founder and managing director of China-based law firm Lehman, Lee and Xu, David Moser, associate professor of Beijing Capital Normal University, and Mike Baston, China observer and senior lecturer at the University of Southampton in the UK. Welcome back to the show, gentlemen. So China's gearing up for a fight against cyberbullying. Authorities are soliciting public opinion on new draft guidelines to punish online abuse. And the move by the country's top judicial and law enforcement authorities comes in the wake of a series of high-profile deaths caused by cyberbullying. I think you, you all must have heard the most tragic cases include a, a young college girl who committed suicide after months of relentless online bullying from people who targeted her after she dyed her hair pink, and a mother who took her own life a week after her son was tragically crushed to death by a car driven by a teacher on school campus. And in the week after her son's death, the mother became a victim of cyberbullying for dressing nicely or having shown up wearing makeup at the scene of the accident. And some people also accused her of uh, hyping up her son's death to gain more compensation as she spoke to the media while waiting for answers and an apology from the school. So a lot of uh, tragic um, cases there. Now the public is calling for a harsher punishment for cyberbullying. So first, um, a mini poll among us. Who has been bullied online? <laughs> I know it's not a, you know, that great a question, maybe, uh, David? Well, I've certainly been criticized online. Um, and it's certain, I've had a few moments where there were a terrifying number of people who were commenting on my Twitter feed, for example, or, mm. or something else. 
uh, it didn't it didn't escalate into bullying, but it became a little frightening when people that you've never heard of are criticizing you or uh, making you feel bad for something you said or did. Mm. Uh, but it was interesting to me also the way that uh, actually it started out as a large as a long Twitter stream with people criticizing something I had said, but then it, it broke off into separate arguments of, of of the people who had responded to me. And they ended up just arguing among themselves. And I was just a spectator. <laughs> I was watching them <laughs> go back and forth. And I was like, OK, this is it's I'm I'm not a victim of cyberbullying, but I'm certainly watching a cyber war. I mean, mm -hmm. it, was, it was very entertaining, actually. But so, no, I have not uh, had the traumatic experience of being bullied online. Right. Um, but my daughter has a little bit, but she's pretty strong and she she made the great decision to get off of Facebook, mm. which is pretty courageous for a 23-year-old woman at the time, 22-year-old woman, because all of her friends were on Facebook. She said, I'm getting off. And right. I think that's, that was a smart thing she did. Mm, yeah, I think so, too. For me, myself, I can't say I'm, I've been bullied before online, but uh, there are some negative comments. But my way of dealing with this is just uh, uh, turning a blind eye toward those comments and pretend uh, nothing happened and uh, stay away from the negative uh, remarks. So what about Ed? You're a lawyer and um, with that. Yeah, no, I mean, th yeah, thanks for, I mean, it, I, it's a matter of perception, I guess, whether it's bullying or not. I'm a, an advocate, obviously, of, of free speech as, as, as much as, you know, as much as responsible free speech can be. So I, I get it. P and lawyers take very unpopular positions. So Clarence Darrow, <laughs> very famous lawyer from Chicago. I'm from Chicago. I mean, probably the most famous lawyer from Chicago. Um, and, um, you know, he was the one who said, hey, there's no justice in or out of the courtroom. Um, and certainly the, but this idea that one has to be able to express yourself and take, he was called the lawyer for the damned. Mm -hmm. So as a result, I mean, you get criticized because of your clients and you get criticized because of positions that you take. Now, mm -hmm. is that considered bullying? I mean, it's just, a. I think it's just a, you know, professional hazard about being involved in the case constantly. And, you know, this is stuff you learn in debate 101 back when you're in middle school is when you've got a really lousy argument. OK, you don't know the law is not on your side. The facts are not on your side. So then you t engage in what's called an ad hominem attack. Mm. So you're attacking the individual. And so that's what happens. I think, I mean, that's what creates cyberbullying. You know what? what so. To answer your question, um, sure, I mean, have people taken a different viewpoint from mine, which I disagree with, and the way that they go about it? Mm. Uh, you know, you, the answer is absolutely positively. Do I consider it cyberbullying? No, I mean, you have to have a thick skin to be involved in um, in law. And, you know, that's people's opinions. And I think people get it wrong and they get it mixed up. It's unfortunate because, you know, when I was a kid a million years ago, you could go into your, you know, home and into your room and you could shut the door and you could be alone and by yourself. Mm. Now, 24-7, that thing is in your hand for young kids, not not for, you know, lawyers and, and stuff like that. But it's hurtful. But I think, it you know, you got to stand up and, and hone your skills as best you can. Mm. Um, I think there's some particular things like, you know, this uh, human flash search engine. There's other kinds of things that, you know, we, we can talk about. But yeah, I mean, I would say I've been a victim of, of bullying, but that's okay. That's part of the territory. <laughs> right. Uh, Ed just mentioned a very interesting point. You're saying it's a matter of perception. Yes, probably because of the of this and sometimes vague definition of what is uh, cyberbullying. It's hard for the authorities to decide whether 
you're a victim of cyberbullying. But to Mike, I, I know you are not into、uh, social media, so probably you you haven't <laughs> right. You haven't been bullied. <laughs> I am、online. into. I, I have been bullied. Well, I am into social media, and I do use social media. All right. I do monitor what's happening on social media. I, I could be a little bit more active. For example, I, I don't have a very active. Right,、uh, you're not so example, active. Twitter account.、Mm. Yeah, and that, I do value social media. I mean, my students.、Uh, Vast majority conduct well, my, my master students. Their projects are on social media, typically Chinese social media, social media influencers. What's happening? The impact. So I, I think I'm very close to what's going on. I'm not not as active. Have、um, you been bullied I, online? Or have I been bullied? It's interesting to, to hear the other two. My media work has led to some quite severe criticism. So some of the feedback, some of the comments online to some of the articles that I've written. In fact, I was threatened with.、Um, I'm not going to go into too much detail here, but let's just say one university threatened to take me to court, threatened to sue me unless a certain comment I'd made was withdrawn immediately. And the newspaper concern actually did just yeah just withdraw and just keep keep them happy. But、um, so, so it is very very and, and as Ed said, it's a matter of perception and also you, your personality comes into it. So you've got to be thick-skinned. But it is quite 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 harmful. I mean, you do feel. You don't. You don't really know where this is coming from. It, it can be quite personal. So I have, in effect, I, I would describe that as a form of bullying. But that's really perhaps where the debate's going to go now. There's this huge grey area, isn't there? Obviously, there's there's clear bullying where there's real intimidating language, possibly threats that that you know, really are、uh, quite clearly un, unacceptable and should be prevented as far as possible and stopped and acted on. But then there's the grey area where People are making comments about you that are perhaps a little bit too critical,、uh, and vulnerable groups can take them perhaps more seriously, and it can affect others more, you know, more than than some others, some vulnerable groups. So, so in short, yeah, I think I have been sort of、um, subjected to unnecessary criticism,、mm. and has been, you know, took a little bit personally, but but a bit like I think David, his his daughter, you know, you just you know face up to it, walk、yeah. away from it, yeah. yeah. But before we can, you know, go on、uh, with the discussion on whether it's just a criticism or it's kind of cyberbullying, we have to have this a definition. So,、um, according to UNICEF, cyberbullying is bullying with the use of digital technologies. It can take place on social media, messaging platforms, gaming platforms, and mobile phones.、Uh, it, it's repeated behavior aimed at scaring, angering, or shaming those who are targeted.、Um, it also Give some examples, such as spreading lies about or posting embarrassing photos of someone on social media, or sending hurtful messages or threats via messaging platforms, or impersonating someone and sending mean messages to others on their behalf. So, and from a legal perspective, is it a very clear definition of、uh, cyberbullying? I'm wondering if、uh, exposing someone's personal information, such as home address, workplace, and ID number, considered a form of of cyber bullying. You mentioned this.、Uh, what's it called again? Yeah, human flesh、uh, search. Ah,、uh, human flesh search. Yes. What is it in Chinese? It's right. Exactly. I mean. What, which is like a phenomenon in and of itself—a show that it should be standing. And I actually, we've done some shows on CGTN about this as well. I mean, it's such an interesting digression from. It takes cyberbullying. It's a, on steroids. I mean, it's a it's a completely different 
kind of thing. But okay, very good question. From a legal perspective, all right, you've got this sort of common law situation, which is, think of it as the five eyes. So you've got Canada, United States, Australia, New Zealand. You've got uh, places like Singapore, Hong Kong, that take a, where you've got stare decisis case law. Case law winds up becoming law. It defines uh, the parameters of what behavior is. Mm. In each of these cases, it, it sort of sets the tone. Then you've got the civil law jurisdictions like continental Europe, like almost all of Asia, with the exception of Singapore, like I said, and uh, Hong Kong. Um, I'm sure I'm leaving some Malaysia out. So the civil law is adopting the German Code of 1896, where Germans thought, hey, law is going to be more like science. And so as a result, this is the formula that goes into the sausage grinder that makes law. And Otto von Bismarck said, by the way, who you know was part of this German Code of 1896, he said, there's two things you don't want to see made. And one is sausage, the other one is law. So that being said, it makes it you know, it depends on what jurisdiction you're talking about. Under a common law jurisdiction, it's developed over fact patterns. So it's legislation that's being written by these different places. And then it's further honed by case law or studies that actually are law in and of themselves. And so, okay, the the odd thing, let's talk about China for a second. Defamatory statements, what's a defamatory statement? Typically, it's something that is incorrect about you that's been or someone who's that's been said in China defamation is you may be even telling the truth you know some kind of embarrassing truth but a truth nonetheless and that truth is not a defense to a de- what's considered defamation in China just so so people know heads up on that one and you know it, we we've handled cases on all sides of defamation but like you were saying and what the definition is um, it's a little bit like one of the Supreme Court justices was asked about what is pornography. And he said, I don't know what it is, but I know it when I see it. I don't know how to define it, but I know it when I see it. And it's a little bit like this with cyberbullying. Unfortunately, it it's rather amorphous. So it's a mile wide and a nano inch deep as far as trying to, to define it. Now, the examples you talked about here are very good examples of what one can say in retrospect are, are cyberbullying, but everyone has a different reaction to it. Though we call those in the in common law eggshell uh, defendants or eggshell plaintiffs, where people are kind of they have you know, and, and and we've created this sort of protected class with young people, where you know they need safe spaces, they need this, that, and the other thing. So, are they to be treated in a different context from someone who is not of that generation? Uh, it, it's it's hard to say. So that'll all be worked out in the in the court system. But I do believe that having some framework to talk about this is a very be- good beginning. I think the issue is also getting the cases to court. I think mean, that's the problem. Can we actually get people to come forward with evidence to go through any legal process? I think that's that's one of the major challenges. Is vulnerable groups often aren't in a position to do that. Mm. It, it, it's one of the reasons why the judicial authorityism, it, it's so hard for them to maybe sometimes in, enforce the law governing um, cyberbullying. But from David... So there's, from- a, there's a question that, that Ed needs to answer, but it's very simple, and it, but it's important. I know that China, China now has real name registration for all of the uh, social media. So right. everyone must know your name and your your, your, your ID number and everything. The question is, is China unusual in that matter, uh, or is it, do other countries require real name registration? It seems like in China, in places where you don't have real name registration, how do you figure out who's doing the cyberbullying? 
Right, um, exactly, and that's what I thought you guys were alluding to. But you're absolutely right. You have to have real name registration. It has to be uh, identified to to a specific human being. In China, you can identify the person or persons who are making uh, these claims. In these other places, they have these trolls and that are doing things that are very harmful, and which, which was brought up. I mean, what they call doxing, which is giving your name and address. And this goes back to the you know human flesh search engine where you know people are not only doing it online but offline and we've seen that in the united states with uh, supreme court justice kavanaugh where he was doxxed and his address in dc was given to the public and folks showed up to protest you know so is that you know the right to assemble is that good is that bad for people to know it, it doesn't sound very positive positive. Uh, i'm not taking any political viewpoint but you know eventually uh, this becomes extremely dangerous when when people can come to your home. You know, it, it could be a bad situation for sure. Mm. And we don't want to make this session a a professional, you know, uh, legal class or, or lesson for for our listeners. But uh, why, you know, the Chinese authorities are stepping up its cracking down cyberbullying now? I mean, it's been there for for at least a decade, right? As a Ed just mentioned, like 10 years ago, there was this, this uh, human flesh search. David, what's your observation here in China? Are you are feeling that this um, phenomenon of cyberbullying um, has become oh, I, widely spread? Well, that, hey, this is what I'm getting at. Yes. At the time of uh, the Internet that you're talking about, the, the Renro social, you know, uh, which is really we're talking about more than 10 years ago, mm. or maybe almost 15 years ago at the at, when the internet was much more primitive in China. Right. I think one impetus that might make them taking it more seriously now is just simply the extent uh, of the, the coverage of, of social media and its increasing addictive you know, properties, TikTok, Douyin, for example, and all these, these different uh, sites or different uh, APPs that they have. So I, th I, think, I think definitely the problem has gotten worse. Uh, and they're probably at a threshold now where they've seen it as a social crisis. The government, of course, wants to maintain stability and also, uh, you know, lawfulness and also to keep cyberspace uh, sort of a productive, healthy space. So, of course, they're, they're, they're cracking down. They have been cracking down for many years on these things. The thing is now I think they probably have uh, more impetus to do so because that, that every event now it gets more widely publicized than it used to. Um, and I think also that... Uh, the the the, the uh, just the sheer technology the 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 addictive qualities of this technology has gotten better and better and more and more insidious over the decades, uh, so that it's now down to a science. It's just terrifying how they're able to uh, to second guess you on your on your searches and to to know to learn quickly what your tastes and interests are just on the basis of what you, of how long you scan. Uh, for example, a Douyin or a TikTok uh, image uh, or video, and they're able to get all this data, huge amounts of data on who you are, or what kind of person you are and what interests you. And this data, who knows who it gets shared with, but uh, I, th I think it's reaching a crisis proportion now because these, uh, these platforms now constitute a kind of virtual space that the kids, the younger people live in. Uh, for I think for people at my age and maybe Ed's age, I'm not sure how old Mike is, <laughs> but Ed and I are pretty old. And, you, don't, uh, you don't want to know, David. And, okay, I would ask. <laughs> don't ask, don't tell. I won't dox you on this. But anyway, uh, it's very hard for us to imagine uh, what it's like to be so 
absorbed in this cyber world and your, your identity is so prominent to you or so so much a part of your identity exists virtually. Uh, and that so therefore when you are caught out on something or people are ridiculing you or you there's something there's they're shaming you. Uh, it's for me, I would just say, you know, forget all this. I just get out of it. Why yeah. do I need to be in this world? I have friends that I can look in the face and talk to. Why do I need these virtual shadows yelling at me? But I think for the I think the problem now is lots of kids don't feel that way. They feel like this virtual identity I have is me. It's my real identity. And if I lose my if I lose face, if I lose my dignity, if I'm suddenly shamed, they feel like they've kind of been excommunicated from a world that they value and that's very strange and troubling and 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 can lead to these suicides these these uh you know people get being depressed and suicidal mm. because of uh taunts and threats and things that that are really quite uh, ghostly and virtual they they sometimes don't even know have never met the people who are doing this to them yet they take it seriously it's a serious psychological a techno psychological problem that's i think reaching crisis perform uh levels not just in in China, but even more in other parts of the world. So I can only guess the authorities, are, this is one of the reasons the authorities are cracking down more than they maybe have been in the last few years. You're listening to The Chat Lounge. We'll be back right after this. D-Dive, a podcast of CGT Radio. Go beyond headlines with reporters from around the world. Search for Deep Dive on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen. Take a deep dive into the news every week. Hear our conversations. Welcome back. You're listening to the Chat Lounge, and we're talking about China's move to ramp up fight against cyberbullying. But as you just said, uh, David, you can just walk away from those abuses, right? It's not like the traditional bullying um, where <laughs> you can suffer physical injuries. But is it really that? Toxic cyberbullying. You know, I, I, by, by the way, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, David. David, as I remember, a story we were passing on uh, was a classmate of someone who ran for president, and she she may have been a victim of cyberbullying, right, David? You want to tell that story or not? Really, I don't remember what you're talking about. Oh, okay, well, okay, then all right, maybe let's forget about that. Yeah, part. Ed, you um, can go ahead with it if you oh, remember. No, 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 sorry, no. But it, it, what I, I think I think that. Um, that what I was trying to allude to is that this stuff stays out there forever, so-called forever. I mean, the internet is is unfortunately forever. There's the right to be forgotten, which is uh, mm. which is a law in the in the uh, European Union and in in the United Kingdom. I guess before they were leaving the uh, Brexiting. But my my point is is that you this information remains out there. It and what did Winston Churchill say? So, I mean, you know. Um, what is it? Uh, a lie gets halfway around the world before the uh, truth has the chance to lace up its boots. And and I understand when you're a young person or an older person, whatever the heck you are, and everything in between, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but uh, names do wind up hurting people and being doxxed and trolled and whatever it is, mm. wind up to be uh, extremely, uh, you know, difficult to overcome. And the only way to do it, I guess, is is continue. It, it, it becomes this rapid race to the bottom about trying to get more information and more allies and fighting back and forth. And I, my understanding and the reason why I don't participate in Twitter, well, one, it's difficult to do when you're from China. But the second thing is that there's just a lot of negative vibes, I think, over there and in, mm. in, in that area 
and trying to trying to steer clarify. But it, just to answer your question, my from my perspective is why are the trainees now getting their act together with this? Issue number one is again the way that the laws, policies, and regulations are set up is you write them and then uh, you know there's o an open time in which people can discuss them and adjust them and then there's implementation rules and then there's Supreme Court interpretations mm. and there's this whole litany of things that need to be done. So it takes a longer time to put them in place. The second thing is that there's been this acceleration we've seen. So national security law being implemented in uh, in Hong Kong because it took them 23 years under the basic law to be able to, they couldn't pass it, let's go. So they came in and did that. Then we had cyber uh, security law. Then we have data security law. Then we have uh, privacy law. All these things have been taking place in the last you know, number of years, recent years. And at the same time, we've got, we've had the COVID pandemic which I think shut people indoors to a certain extent around the world, in China, of course, too. And, you know, people were online behaving and misbehaving and being isolated. And so that, that I think, is the catalyst, in my mind, of, about what's going on here. That's a novel way uh, to interpret it. But um, Ed, the case you mentioned um, just now, the victim is, is a female. Yeah, but... I mean, again, you know, when you're the other thing to keep in mind is a public figure cannot be cyber bullied. I mean, Mr. Trump, I mean, like him, yeah. dislike him, Mr. Biden, like him, dislike him there. I mean, and that's the same with defamation. I mean, meaning that even though they can be and you can say, you know, sticks and stones mm. um, are, you know, breaking their bones and these names are always hurting them, you know, in the public publicity polls at the at the polling booth. But um, but so there's a difference between public and private. So you, you talk about those two cases you know, where there were suicides, uh, and, and this has happened in the West as well. Yeah. Uh, these are private people. I mean, these are not public celebrities. Um, and it's extremely hard for them to... Uh, yeah, those public figures, they should be mentally um, stronger than average people. But what I, I'm trying to say is that um, in those cases we've just mentioned, the victims seem to be all female, right? Um, mm. That's also the, the finding of some research that uh, children and women or girls are quite often the victim of cyberbullying. Why is that, Ed? Okay, well, my observation is, I mean, I had three sisters, certainly a mother growing up, and, um, you know, the dynamics between, you know, women and the dynamics between men are, I believe, vastly different, and you don't need a lawyer to tell you that. But I'm, I'm and so I think that, uh, there's this whole mean girls kind of thing that happens. And when you, and sometimes even in the workplace, mm. you know, there's, a, I, and I understand the whole thing with me too, and I'm not diminishing or uh, in any way, shape or form trying to, you know, deflect any of that, but women dynamic with other women within a workplace and uh, within social settings can be very complicated and complex. Mm. Uh, and and I, I'm not entirely sure that uh, this stuff is precipitated necessarily by by men in all instances with regards to cyberbullying, I think a lot of it, uh, and I may be wrong, but this is my unscientific look at it, is women being malicious or doing mean girl things to other women. And and, and I also think that there's, it, it, maybe this is you know showing my age here, but you know, with men, there's always, at least when they're talking to one another, I mean, and, and this is maybe something that's passed, but there's always that danger that there could be some physicality with regards to um, to a discussion moving into something else I, with women, uh, with men on men, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so I think that that women don't necessarily have that uh, acceptable alternative. I'm not saying it's acceptable among men. It's not. But uh, but there's always that idea that it could possibly lead to that. And 
maybe this is my own opinion, but uh, and again, I'm, I'm a lawyer and, and don't want to see anyone hit anyone <laughs> under any circumstances. But uh, I think there's communication is, is different between the genders for sure. Mm, and David? Uh, I think Ed said most of what I would want to say. Uh, there are social sociological studies of, of behavior in children and that, yes, there is something to that. When two boys have a, a confrontation or get angry at each other, it usually involves fisticuffs sort of hitting each other and, and a little bit of blood, bloody noses, and then it kind of goes away and then mm-hmm. they forget about it. Whereas the the, sort of the same kinds of uh, animosity or rivalry among among little girls will take the form of psychological bullying you know you're saying girls are hurting girls yeah especially when you think of the way the sexes are kind of uh, segregated when when you're young you know the the in grade schools it may be getting better now but in grade schools when i was growing up that you know boys played with boys and girls played with girls and you didn't really have much interplay and so their their interactional styles were very different and I guess the the boys were solved the problem by punching each other out, and they had to be you know separated. And they wipe off the the dirt and the blood, and everything was okay. The girls could go. This could go on for you know a whole semester of of little uh, fiefdoms and bullies that would get, gather allies and and torture other little girls psychologically, not physically. So there is that you know, but I I don't think I, I think there's just also just a kind of a I hate to say it, but there there's a kind of kind of sick misogyny that's out there along lots of men and the, the favorite victim is women because pro- just because they are vulnerable and just because they they are weaker and, and they will they will sometimes have a more traumatic re- re- response to the threat which which for some of these sick individuals they actually get off on that they like that to see the victimhood thing there so uh, there is that and those for those kinds of kind of mentally deranged people cyberspace is a great place because you can do it without looking them in the eye they become a kind of a fantasy that you can imagine whatever you want to and uh and you you can you know your conscience sort of doesn't come into play because you're not looking at the other person as a human being you're dehumanizing them Mm. so i think that's also part of it as sad as that is right um mike what's the situation in in the uk is it like a similar, you know, women and children are most at risk of being targets of cyberbullying. Sadly, it is. Yes, I mean, the, the, the situation in the UK, as it is, I'm sure, worldwide now, is, is, is very, very serious. And there was a government-wide paper uh, on the issue. I think it was 2020, received a lot of uh, attention. So, so the government are, are taking it, I think, very, very seriously, perhaps not doing enough. Mm. And, and to go back to the, the other panelists, I think I agree with, with just about everything that's been said. But, but women uh, and children are particularly vulnerable. Um, with women, sadly, there is this sick sort of uh, misogyny, um, sexual harassment that uh, yeah, when, when men think they can sort of get away with it, that appears to be sadly very, very common. And, and difficult to trace and track and, and, and do much about. It, it is the case now that you know, I'm reading latest report, and I thought this would be 100%, 12 to 17-year-olds in this country, 99% have a smartphone, have regular access to the internet. Now, obviously, they're, they're, they're probably, they're, there are shields that shield them from very harmful content. But if you look at somebody's social media platforms, and I'll say TikTok is a prime example, uh, they are very, very poor, at, I think, actually trying to address these issues. And in the UK, we, we, there's so much news about reports uh, from women uh, and, and teenage children or their parents 
or complaints going into social media platforms, typically TikTok, YouTube, and very little being done about it until there's real publicity, until it makes the news, um, front page headlines, and then they, they, they try to, to address it as well and remove accounts and delete accounts. Mm. So the situation in the UK is pretty similar to, to around the world. And, and I think a lot of it with women, sadly, is about um, those sort of men trying to be men as they think they are with some sort of um, sexual dominance and threats. And, and I think that's very, very alarming. And uh, you know, we've got a lot of work to do. You're saying uh, the authorities are not doing, maybe not doing enough no, in Britain. Not but, at all. Uh, but not at all. Maybe it's no. a similar it's not in their interest. Think about it, the business model. You know, these are privately owned companies. Um, trying to maximise profits, the last thing they want to do is, is deter uh, people from you know, the actual consumption of their offer. So it, it really requires very, very strong government regulation and enforcement. Yeah, I was saying that um, maybe the authorities here in China are not doing enough, and that's why they are you know, trying to strengthen the regulatory measures to, mm. to curb cyberbullying. But well, at, uh, at the end of the day, governments are, are elected or, or, or re-elected or removed from power essentially for economic reasons. Yeah. Uh, so they've got half an eye on the state of the economy, and, and that really is going to hopefully see them through over, over the line. So, so again, any action they do typically will uh, reduce economic activity. So again, that, that, that's another issue that, that needs to be addressed. Yeah, there are a lot of consideration about the uh, economic uh, impact there, obviously. But Ed, um, you know a lot about the, uh, China's uh, law here, but um, in which aspects do you think it's insufficient regulation um, when it comes to cyberbullying? I know, according to China's criminal law, if cyber violence disrupts public order, um, the crime of picking quarrels and provoking trouble is, is generally applied and uh, offenders may face up to five years in prison that's that sounds really um you know harsh especially when it when you compare it to regulations in other countries such as you know japan they've got this uh, regulation i think last year it's up to one year in jail and in terms of um britain uh, i i'm not sure if is it like three years up to three years um mike do you have any idea the, I mean, the, the, the weakest form of punishment will be that the account is deleted, and, and this has happened, and that, that it's very, very difficult to enforce that. But as far as possible, the person concerned will not um, have an account on that, let's say it's uh, TikTok, for example, on, on that social media platform. But it's, it's, it's very, very difficult. If it's seen, and there have been cases that it, it has led to very, very serious implications, then uh, prison sentences, yes, he can go to court. But as I said at the start of the, the show, getting that to court and getting the victims to come forward with sufficient evidence, when everything's recorded, I suppose, is something that is also very, very difficult. So while victims will raise it with the authorities, they appear to be, for, for understandable reasons, very reluctant to actually go through what is obviously a, a quite harrowing sort of legal experience, you know, court experience. But yes, there have been examples of prison sentences, and it is being looked at and addressed. I just think it needs a bit of a you know, kick up, you know, a bit of a shove in the right direction. But, mm. but again, it's very, very difficult to stop somebody um, using uh, social media platforms. Just to follow up, sorry, with the UK. Just I mean, again, having dealt with, I mean, UK is a very interesting place because I mean, again, defamation law is very high level. But I mean, they have the Protection of Harassment Act in 1997, and under this, if somebody, you know. Um, that the uh, their conduct amounts to harassment, 
they can face um, criminal charges, and uh, it, which can include pr imprisonment up to only six months or a fine. But what they do is they tack it on with other types of things, like even with something that's called the Malicious Communications Act of 1988, uh, you can get two years and a fine mm. uh, if, if, you, if you're using communications in order to do that. But they also, they try to tag it together with other tortious uh, acts, you know, so other kind of existing torts that, or, or bad behavior that where people can get relief. But I mean, the Communications yeah. Act of 2003, um, you know, Section 127, that, you know, it, it defines what's grossly offensive or indecent or obscene or menacing messages, but you can only get six months in jail. So like you said, it's five years in China. And, uh, it, it, and so that's this is much harsher thing. than other places. But why is cyberbullying still so rampant in China? Yeah, I mean, I think it I, I think it has to be, uh, to be honest, with you, you've got the world's largest population. I right. think that, you know, you have folks it's always are, a reason. Yeah, well, I mean, that are massively educated and you've got those that are not as well educated on both ends of the spectrum. And so, I mean, the, these laws, policies and regulations, I mean, uh, have to be very clear and very strong and send a message, you know, about with lack of ambiguity uh, as, as to how to proceed with them. Mm. I think that, um, you know, that it's very important to send the message. I mean, and the one thing that China is good at is organizing and implementing these things once they make a decision to move in that direction. But, you know, going back to your point about disrupting public order, and I try to explain this to folks in the United States, for example. So disrupting public order might be that you're drunk and belligerent and you may urinate in your neighbor's front yard. Uh, so that is a misdemeanor, a minor thing, uh, something very stupid, perhaps very embarrassing, but it isn't super serious. In China, right. disrupting public order has to do with, I mean, you've got a, a, a society with the, the majority of which are Han people. So you've got a monolithic, almost monolithic society. I mean, there's minorities here and super minorities. But it's it's a different kind of context and approach, I think, culturally, as an outsider living here, in which, you know, the, the rules and policies and laws need to be enforced. Some people, they're saying that uh, the, the reason why it's so rampant is because there's no such a specific law governing this uh, cyberbullying. It's spread under this uh, criminal law or other laws. So people sometimes are not aware of how serious the impact their actions may have on others. And uh, maybe they don't think it's it's anything unlawful, right? Well, you know, I think, I think there's a problem with the definition. I think, I thought that the topic you sent out to us was some, something about cyber violence. Right. Which, uh, if you take it in an abstract sense of violence, that might be a little bit better than using bullying because okay. the kinds of phenomenon we're talking about could be you know, it could be called bullying, it could be shaming, it could be threatening, it mm. could be harassing, it could be defrauding, it could be doxing, it could also just be joking. Uh, they're, they're all you know, bullying, right? Cyberbullying. Well, I, mean, I don't know if it's, I don't know if I, that's what I'm saying. I'm challenging the word bully because mm. in some cases it's not a matter of, uh, bullying is a, is a sort of a, a, an idea of oppressing or, you know, uh, they, they are they are in a broad category of doing an injustice in a, in a broad sense to the person that, that is is sort of your victim. Anyway, the, the point is that uh, I think probably and Ed might agree and I don't know, Mike might agree that that 
probably all this phenomenon, there are many more that we haven't even talked about today, maybe some that were cropping up that we don't even know about, mm. that would be hard to, it would be hard to draw, delineate uh, the lines between something that could be a crime and something that could just be, uh, I don't know, a sort of thing that happens every day, mis mm. misunderstandings and Indeed. arguments that get too heated or something. I don't know, these things are not hard, hard to, uh, you know, the law always leaks. So uh, it's very hard to come up with any law that would cover all of that. And it would be very hard to, to, if you really take them to court to actually make the case in many, any cases. You know, law is not science. It's it's a messy thing. So, I mean, that's part of the problem is is that we don't even know really what we're talking about. And especially, uh, I, I would think if you're in that world, if, if you, you should get some teenagers on this show mm -hmm. and just ask, what kinds of things do you experience online? And they would probably give you horror stories of, of kinds of uh, injustices online you can't even imagine. <laughs> so, and then I mean, define cyberbullying based on their good, experiences. That's a very good point. And I, I have young children. My son's 11. My, my daughter's 14. And I'm going through that now. They both have phones. Uh, friends of mine actually take their kids' phones once a week and go through, try to find out what they've been doing and what they've been looking at. Uh, and sometimes they come up with information about, I don't know, political events or something. That I think, how did they know? Where did they get that from? So, it, yeah, it really is an issue with, with younger children and sadly women that, uh, you know, we need to find out from them what, uh, what's going on. You're listening to The Chat Lounge. We'll be back after this. With a history of 5,000 years, it's no surprise that China has created a fabulous treasury of folk tales. Once a year, on the seventh day of the seventh month, all the magpies fly up to heaven and form a bridge. So many amazing worlds to discover. I want a new palace, said King Mu of Zhou one day. Chinese folk tales retold for audiences today. Will, will you marry me? He asked. And with little hesitation, she said, <laughs> Yes! 5,000 years of amazing Chinese folk tales. My father must not go to war. Someone must take his place. You'll find Chinese Folk Tales Season 3, wherever you discover your favorite podcasts. Welcome back. You're listening to the chat lounge, and we're talking about China's move to ramp up fight against cyberbullying. And Ed, have you ever dealt with any cases that involving cyberbullying or cyber violence here in China? Yeah, um, not, not, uh, not with. Uh, there's been fallout from different instances that have happened. I mean, on the internet, instances mm. uh, real or imagined. But no, it, 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 I, we have not yet. I mean, do I? Think that I mean, that, and this goes back to I think what we were talking about is that the people who are vulnerable, I mean, who are extremely vulnerable, women, children, what mm -hmm. we talked about earlier, don't necessarily have the financial means to be able to tackle this in a courtroom, for mm -hmm. example. I mean, uh, as, as people often say, if you want, you know, uh, want to make a small fortune, um, you know, start out with a big fortune and and then get involved in litigation. Mm -hmm. uh, where it becomes a small fortune. So, I mean, uh, so I don't think that there, yeah, we have not seen that yet. There's been a lot of stuff in the corporate sector and, and you know, uh, with, with that, I mean, but that does not institute violence. Um, and obviously the thing with, with uh, Justice Kavanaugh, them coming to his house and him feeling threatened or real or imagined. Uh, I mean, there's there's famous cases of that. In, in China, I, uh, I, I've not yet seen it. Doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. I mean, 
I can liken this to uh, sexual harassment too. I mean, meaning that the the laws have been on the books for sexual harassment yeah. for a long period of time, but the number of convictions uh, on sexual harassment itself, I mean, I probably would be limited to you know one hand, and that's debatable uh, in, in in a country that's this size. I, mm. I, I don't think I'm misstating that. Um, if, if Same in the UK. The actual conviction rates uh, for for this area that, that have gone on to, to to become very serious are frighteningly low. Yeah, I mean, just just so you know, I mean, here's what happens typically. And I, I mean, have people inquired with us about it? The answer is yes. And so here's what happens: is that you know, if you decide, you have to decide: are you going to go the civil route or are you going to go the criminal route? And if you go to the you go to the police, and, and this is just anecdotal, and I just say it in a very general way without giving away any confidences. So the police will say, well, listen, if you've got to commit to go criminal with this mm -hmm. or we're not going to follow through with it, um, you know, because you're going to try to get civil uh, damages for that thing, you know, which doesn't happen in a lot of other jurisdictions. Um, you know, they may be criminal. So, for example, you're seeing with Sam Bankman Freed from FTX. I mean, he's going through the criminal process and then the criminal process. Once that's done, they'll go into the civil process and they'll, you know, whatever little money he has left. We'll try to take that away. So, um, you know, in China, you kind of have to call that you're going to do the criminal first and then come back to the civil or do one or the other. I mean, mm. it's sort of different. Right. Kind of Financial capacity of the victims aside, um, would it be helpful to to come up with a specific law or a special law governing cyber violence or cyber bullying in China? Yeah. I mean, me personally, I think I think it's. Yes, I think it's a good thing. I think it's going to be imperfect, like all laws and all people are, and, and, and governments trying to enforce it and, and enforcement agencies. But, you know, you've got to start from there. I mean, it's sort of in the beginning, there was the word, and then the word becomes inaction. And then it's the same with, with this thing. I think you need to set the parameters. It's going to be imperfect. China, the one thing about China that people should know about is that they they solicit opinions from people, uh, you know, whether that be the, those of us who are in this uh, in this chat room um, or others and uh, in medicines and everybody else. So that's that's the positive thing. But I, I do think. But do, do laws solve anything? The answer is no. I mean, it has to be education. You know, St. Ignatius Loyola said, hey, give me the uh, child and I'll you know up to seven and I'll show you the man. And I think that this or, you know, or woman in this case, he was, wasn't talking about. Women, right, right. But. Yeah, sorry about that. But I mean, but my point is that um, education should start at a very young age about this thing. It's 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 a little bit like electricity or fire. It's a great uh, servant. It's a terrible master, and so it can kill you if not used correctly. And and I think it really needs to start with education. Laws are great, but if you don't get folks educated uh, at a young age about manners and behavior, which is that we're in all new territory with that. Uh, then, then you're going to run into problems like mm. we have now. Yeah, actually, what what uh, Ed just said uh, echoed what um, you know UN chief has just called for um, stemming online hate. And it's about about stopping uh, online hate, but they said um, ensuring quality education for everyone everywhere, including women and girls, means supporting education systems that instill respect for science and celebrate humanity in all its. Diversity and means a surge in education financing, peace building, and global solidarity. Well said, Ed. Last question to all of you: In addition to severe punishment, 
after the, the occurrence of uh, cyberbullying or cyber violence, do you think there are some preventative measures uh, that can be taken to stem cyberbullying, um, both in terms of the, the operators of social media platforms and, uh, you know, internet users like you and me ourselves for self-protection? Um, this time, uh, let's start with Mike. Well, certainly the operators, uh, when it comes to the operators of social media platforms, where they've been found to be negligent or you know, not as stringent uh, and, and as effective as they could have been, let's say there's been a whole suite of complaints and and um, they have, and, and as they typically do, sweep it under the carpet until they really can't avoid that. There can be very swift and extremely severe financial punishments imposed by governments. Obviously, they're reluctant to do that, mm. but certainly that would really uh, be a wake-up call. So in the same way that it comes to, you know, I'm teaching fashion, mainly sustainability, you can really find those companies that are real culprits. So in, in this case, you, you could really, really stick the, the, the financial boot in or even threaten to almost close them down. So I think that's something we need to see an example uh, example of, of that, I think, will happen eventually, hopefully not too late. When it comes to um, actually uh, doing something about preventing this in the, in the uh, you know, long term, I think I agree with Ed, uh, most people would, would agree uh, that education at a very early age in instilling respect and manners, taking away that sort of that natural perhaps um, sort of testosterone-led aggression that perhaps in men or boys more than girls mm. long term. Um, and in the short term, I think preventative measures are really getting close to these vulnerable groups. So parents getting closer and closer to their, their children uh, and, and getting people to talk, getting friends around the table and, and, and coming out, you know, being more open about what abuse they're receiving. Mm. And David? Yeah, I agree with all of that. And I, I certainly think that the, the real answer is is sort of what Mike was just saying in, in social development, so, right. social sort of uh, education yeah. and at a young age, sort of uh, giving people the right idea about and what, you know, what these media the programs are for and how to use them effectively. But this is a very tricky issue. That's something that you can't really set a law on. You just have, that's a social conditioning problem. Mm -hmm. uh, in, in the short term, there, there are just some mechanical issues you can deal with. I mean, some technological issues. Uh, we know there are lots of people, uh, you know, always surveying what's happening on, on WeChat or Weibo. And, uh, you know, their keywords can be checked and, and things can go into, a, you know, a sorting, you know, the messages don't have to be posted immediately as soon as someone sends them. Mm. They could be first go through some kind of sorting. So there are all sorts of technical way, technological ways that you could make sure that at least abusive language may be weeded out or it may be shunted off to some uh, Internet uh, uh, drone person <laughs> who has to go slog through all this data occasionally. And, and check it by hand, by a human eye, before releasing it. There's, so there's lots of things. I know Facebook has similar things. Twitter does, too. They all have their ways of doing this. Right. And in, in, in lieu of just a complete you know, social revolution where we, we all become much more tolerant and, and open-minded and, and, uh, and, and uh, kind to each other, which is not going to happen any day soon, I guess some of these technological fixes might at least sort out and and impede some of the the rough nasty stuff that gets put put out there every day. That's that's about all I can think of. Great. And uh, Ed. Yeah, you know, I mean, 
the thing that shocks me and shocks the conscience is is a is a lawyer is that you know these platforms have been given safe harbor. I mean, so I mean, Mr. Zuckerberg came in and answered a bunch of stuff in front of Congress, and I and people seemed tough on him and did whatever. But I mean, at the end of the day, not much was said. Uh, if it was suggested, you know, by the other panelists, I mean, that there was financial liability for some of this that they don't have right now, um, you know, and that, the, you know, lawyers would, plaintiff's lawyers, which we have plenty of in the United States, would, um, you know, be holding them accountable and liable for things that are happening on their platform. So, I mean, give me an example. If, if you're if you're at a, a, a tavern or a pub or whatever you want to call it in the United States, you know, they have uh, dram shop rules. And is, if you are a, someone who is serving someone who is obviously drunk, and and you and that person gets into an accident later, then you're held liable for that because you knew or should have known that this was going to cause harm to someone. Uh, you know, if if they went home driving drunk, and they, with the platforms now, they are not held liable. They're not a subject of litigation. Mm -hmm. They're uh, based on the Digital Millennial uh, Copyright Act. Uh, of the United States or the e-commerce directive in the European Union. And I think if if they were subjected like the rest of us to litigation, then, um, you know, then I think that things would sort of get fixed a little bit, perhaps. I mean, you know, the last thing we need are a bunch more lawsuits. And, and it seems like, you know, the, the world has become a less safe place because we have lawyers suing on everything against each other and, as well. But that would be something to take a look, see at. I mean, obviously, the legislature has to be bold enough to actually, um, you know, not give them a pass any longer, which I think people are afraid to do. I mean, you're running for Congress every two years for con for House of Representatives pe people and every six years for the Senate. And, uh, you know, they, they're also not immune to what social media could do to them. So I, I, I think uh, that's something that could be taken a look at. Yeah, maybe we need more lawyers. But um, with that, we come so. to the end. Not bid. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. Right. <laughs> First in the society. With that, we come to the end of our chat. Many thanks to Edward Lehman, founder and managing director of China-based law firm Lehman Li and Xu, David Moser, associate professor of Beijing Capital Normal University, and Mike Bastin, China observer and senior lecturer at the University of Southampton in the UK for your insights. Show is available on all major podcast platforms. If you got anything to say about the topic or the show, feel free to tell us. Just drop us an email at radio at cgtn.com. I'm Tuyin. Thank you for being with us. We'll have more chat next week. Ever wondered what's actually going on in Africa through the perspective of an African? How are things really going between China and Africa? What's the narrative of this relationship? Well, get a perspective with China-Africa Talk. Hear from African diplomats, entrepreneurs, academics, Chinese natives, and more. Get on our wavelength every week to find out what's real with China-Africa Talk. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. We'll see you there.